el mejor destino para ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 73 for Sunday, November 2nd, 2014. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And I'm John Younger. We are the team behind the upcoming documentary film, Identifying Nelson Buscando a Roberto. Each week, John and I conduct interviews and discuss issues relating to the film in order to help us better understand the long-term impact of war. To learn more about the film and sign up for updates, head on over to inbarfilm.com. That's I-N-B-A-R film.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out The Advocate Experience. This is a program we've been running for a few months where you can actually help us shape the film. You get access to behind-the-scenes material, special updates every two weeks, and opportunities to provide feedback on our work. We have a great group of people already participating, and if you're at all interested, we would love for you to be a part of it. I'm here today with a couple of students from the group ASI at Yale. They were the individuals or, or the people who invited me to come present a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, it was the end of September and I presented my film and I wanted to have them come on here today to talk about uh, their what it means to be Salvadoran to them from their perspective. So if you could each introduce yourself, so I'm Jack Mejia, and I'm a junior at Yale. I'm Kim Mejia Cuellar, and I'm also a junior. My name is Crystal Suarez, and I'm also a junior. I'm Gen Z Paz, and I'm a sophomore. Well, I just I have to say, uh, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. I had a wonderful time meeting all of you and getting to see the, the campus and talking with you. And today, I just wanted to go over some of the things that we talked about individually while I was there, and I thought it was really fascinating. My big takeaway from the event was that you guys are a generation removed from the war. And because of that, I'm really interested on your perspective about what does it mean to be Salvadoran? How do you connect with the country? And uh, questions of that nature. So um, thank you for having me and thank you for being on the, the podcast today. Thank you for coming. <laughs> so first question, how much do you identify with being Salvadoran? I mean, I know some of you are, or perhaps most of you are half Salvadoran, half Mexican. So how much does that Salvadoran identity how much, factor into your life? All right. I can uh, Crystal again. I think for me, it's changed a lot over time, especially as I've gotten closer to that side of my family, I've become more aware um, of the need to to really be more um, learned in that part of, of who I am. And I think coming to Yale and forming this group here uh, my freshman year with Jack and Kim, that really helped me to learn about the different aspects of the culture, um, including the history um, and learning more about the stories of the country and the stories that people had to tell. And I think that has been something that I've seen has been the, the biggest change in me and my understanding of what that part of me is. Kim, I, I would say being Salvadoran is something that I connect a lot with my father's family. Um, at least in my neighborhood, we there aren't a lot of Salvadoranos, and so my understanding of that was limited to just my family ties, my familiar ties, and um, the 
pupusas and things like that, or cumbias or stuff like that that we would listen to. But now that I've, I've come to Yale and now that we've started this group, we started on this journey of under, really understanding the political and the social history of the country. So being Salvadoran now means more. It, I think it always did mean more than just the surface level things like pupusas. Now we, we have like a broader understanding of why people in such huge numbers migrated to the U.S. and why we're all here. So I, I think being Salvadoran is something that I, I take a lot of pride in, but I didn't really understand. I, I didn't understand why we were here in such significant numbers, or why there are certain aspects of Salvadoran culture, the way that we interact with each other, or um, why we're such like a friendly people and we get along so well. Yeah, I would say that it's also changed over time, especially with this, this group and my studies, like academic um, understanding of. Salvadoran culture has shifted dramatically. I'll just jump in here and say, you know, one one thing that I connected with you about was, or, or that was a connection for me with you all, is that um, I only found out about the war and everything that happened, you know, my junior year of, of high school. So, you know, when I was in college and through my 20s, I had to learn more about the history and the culture of my own country. So, you know, much like you, it's it's not like the a, a culture that I grew up in. It's something that I, I slowly learned more about. So. so my parents are both from El Salvador, so they're both 100% Salvadorian. <laughs> and uh, the only one, I think, here. And I guess I agree with uh, Kim in that I grew up, actually I've been to El Salvador multiple times, and I grew up in a community of Salvadorians because there's a large population from, I'm from D.C., so I don't know why there's a large population there, but there is, and so I grew up kind of knowing like the culture and the food and the music, and uh, I guess I didn't really know very much about the history or the politics until, well I did like surface level, but until I came here, and um, I remember talking to my mom about this, and I think she told me that even when she grew up in El Salvador, they, when they taught her like history and stuff, they never taught her very much about the war itself. They kind of gave her like a surface, uh, surface kind of knowledge or an introduction to it, and I think they tried to like keep them away from that information. And now growing up, or like growing up and with my mom, obviously, uh, she would show me things or that she was learning at like 30 years old or for like, you know, so it's just, yeah. That, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is how much of the context of the war in El Salvador did you know about beforehand? You know, was it, you said you, you heard it a little bit, but didn't really get into the history. And so I'm sort of wondering, you know, along with what your experience of being a Salvadoran or, or having Salvadoran family members, how much of the war did you did you know about? So I guess I can answer that. So, Jack, um, I knew about the war pretty early on. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. So, uh, some members of our family would always have like memorabilia and stuff to commemorate the war, since a lot of them survived it. So they would have like old newspapers that talked about it, special books that talked about it. But I was too young to really understand what that meant. It wasn't until high school that um, our aunt uh, sat us down, and actually without our parents knowing, and she sat us down and she told us about like her stories when she was in the war. 
So, like, being beaten by soldiers or, like, not being able to uh, take care of her family because, like, it, there was always a risk that they would come at night. And so just hearing that, to me, that was really transformative in high school. And it really made me um, want to, like, represent, like, being Salvadoran. And even before I came to space at Yale, I was very proud of being Salvadoran. So coming here and, like, we we're obviously a very small minority, that made me really proud and I wanted to really learn more but also, like, to teach other people about our history. Kim, I would, I would agree with um, Jack. We didn't know much about the war. We knew that it had happened. And it wasn't until high school that we started learning more about it. But even it wasn't until I came to Yale and took a, a course with um, Professor Elizabeth Wood, which is she is an expert on the insurgency in El Salvador, and she wrote a book about why peasants resisted. Um, that I, I really gained an understanding of why um, the war was such a big deal and such a, a determining factor in so many people moving. Um, but I think still sometimes it remains unclear in academia itself when interpreting the um, motivations for people participating in the war, whether for or against the government, and even among our own families, why it really occurred. It seems like at, at some levels it was mostly, although I guess the guerrilla movement was propagated by the people, some people were just drawn into it and they had they felt like they had to choose a side. Um, and because otherwise their lives were in danger, like the costs of not participating and not aiding the soldiers on either side would harm them, put the, their, them and their families in danger. So, so I think the reasons for the war um, still remain unclear to many of us. So I wouldn't expect like my family, even if they were, some of them were directly involved, um, to understand I guess, the reason that it began in the first place. Uh, having seen the film or parts of the film that I showed you, I think uh, John, who is the director of the film, um, he, he was very interested in what, what was your takeaway from seeing that and sort of learning more about not only the history of El Salvador, but also the experience of other Salvadorans, whether it's myself or um, some of the other uh, disappeared children of El Salvador. Crystal again. I think for me, one of the most really impressive parts of learning more about the history is when we are able to hear um, really personal and individual stories. I think especially, like in my case, being really removed from the war, uh, both like as a generation and physically um, away from the country, I think it's when I get the chance to really hear from people and to hear these personal accounts that it really strikes me like how that experience was for people. And I think for me getting to see that the, that, uh, the stories of people are being heard and are being told, I think that's really inspiring and it helps me personally understand uh, more of that part of who I am. So Jack again. Um. So I, after I watched the film, for me it was like kind of an emotional thing to watch as well. There was just like, I, I didn't really know anything about the, the disappeared children before the film. And I, I called my aunt like the weekend after we had screened the film, and I spoke to her about it. And I spoke to her about your story, and she wasn't surprised at all. And she was telling me, yeah, I know a lot of people who live in different countries, uh, i.e. Australia, that are Salvadoran and they never knew and to me that was really remarkable it was something that I had never heard about before and I think 
it's uh, really important to know that those were the consequences of war, and I'm sure that that's not the only case in El Salvador, but rather in wars around the world where there are people that are displaced and their stories are never really told. I, I think you make a great point about that, and it's something that we're trying to touch on in the film that, you know, just looking at El Salvador and the disappearances that occurred there, well, you can sort of extrapolate that out to other wars in other countries, whether they're in the Middle East or Vietnam or, you know, many of these other insurgent type wars. And when you really start to think about it, you can sort of see this pattern and imagine how many other uh, people and families have loved ones who are disappeared. So I think that you make a great point that uh, both of you, by learning the stories of the individuals, maybe it helps us uh, prevent from making these mistakes over and over again. Kim, I just wanted to agree that I didn't know the extent um, to which there were so many disappeared children. Uh, I remember, I think you talked about someone that was, was it Italian? Or yeah. Or something like that? Yeah, yep. He didn't identify with being Salvadoran because he was raised um, somewhere else, somewhere completely different. Um, so that was just amazing to me that there is such a big population that even now um, people are struggling to connect with everyone, to find people. And I think something else that struck me from the film was the image of when all the disappeared children that, that were identified were presented in front of that, like, that big arena and there were like posters and everything and a lot of people showed up for that because that was such a big event. So it, it just shows how even though maybe we are disconnected and, and now that, like, that we're like Salvadoran American or just people that have migrated to um, places like the U.S. that we don't know about these stories but at least it's reassuring to know that in the country itself people are aware of these histories and are celebrating it. My my next question is, have you been back to El Salvador, and why or why not? Uh, Crystal again. I haven't been back, and I know, um, uh, like, my father is the one who's Salvadoran of my parents, and he hasn't come or been back since, uh, I think it was 1979 when he came um, to the U.S. So there has been an opportunity. I know other relatives who have gone but personally, it hasn't uh, been an option. But I do think it, it is something I would like to do in the future, to go back and as part of learning more. Even at, uh, to, I think it's important to always be learning more. So that is something I would like to do. Kim, I also haven't had the opportunity to go due to like financial restraints, but also um, my family is all over the place. Uh, it's many people that are on the Salvadoran side live in the U.S. now. so. I'm not as connected to people that do live in El Salvador currently. And also there's the issue of, yeah, security. And some, some of the relatives that I would travel with are, many of them don't have the ability to move between countries. So I think that's something that's been blocking my ability to visit to El Salvador because I wouldn't necessarily want to travel on my own to a country that I haven't been to before and to relatives that I'm not as close to because most people that I'm very close to now live in the U.S. 
Gen C. I've been multiple times, and the times that I have gone, I've stayed uh, extended periods of times, like months. And I'm actually thinking of going either in December or in summer. And uh, yeah, I went to visit family from, like, my parents are from the same area or like town or like little village or whatever. Um, so yeah, I visited both of them and stayed there. And my parents go very frequently as well. And I love it. <laughs> it's great. It makes me feel like when I come back, I feel really, really connected to my family. And I'm also very close to my family there. Like we communicate all the time. But going there, uh, I guess being here, I mean, when I'm with like you guys, like Asi, I feel very connected or to my culture and like I'm, I feel very Salvadorian. But being at Yale in general, it's sometimes like very hard to, um, I don't know, like feel connected to that part of you or part of myself. And so like going to El Salvador, I feel super Salvadorian. Like when I come back, like I see pupusas all the time. And I don't know, I feel very happy going there and I feel super connected to like that part of me. And when I come back, like, you know, just recently, it's like great. Um, but, yeah. So, same as Kim for me. <laughs> and Kim, it's not like that I wouldn't, I would definitely want to travel, um, but I'm just waiting for the opportunity to present itself, because I definitely do want to go to the country, because um, I think that would just be a remarkable experience, but I'd like to my family take home. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, because you, it's sort of like, I don't want to say compartmentalizing yourself but there are these different parts the different parts of your identity and I, I you know I absolutely agree like when when I go down there for a month I start speaking the language more and I can communicate and then I come back here and I'm not speaking Spanish on a regular basis so it takes me a minute to to switch back over and it's kind of a reverse culture shock coming home because I've just spent a month where you know uh where people aren't necessarily on their cell phones all the time. And then you come back in the airport and everyone has a laptop and a cell phone and a device. And it's, it's such a, a, a shock sometimes to come back. Uh, and you do sort of lose touch of that part. Yeah. Go ahead. Can I add uh, yeah. Uh, well, the last time I went, I guess I was maybe like 14 or 15. And so it's been a while. And I think that I've had to do a lot of convincing uh, or, like, talking to my parents because, like, safety concerns are a big issue. So that's, maybe like, one of the main reasons I haven't gone in a while. Even going in December, I'm, I'm kind of, like, a little terrified. Uh, and I, I'm sure my parents are, too. Uh, I don't know, security and safety are, like, a big, big concern. Not just to me, like, me going... Like, my mom tells me this all the time. Me going affects my family there because they become a target as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just wanted to add that in. Kim, I would agree as well. I think it's really hard being from countries where gang warfare and, like, drugs and things like that are something that is so prevalent, unfortunately, like being half Mexican and half Salvadoran. And I haven't had the chance to really travel to either of those countries um, like there's so much that you want to connect to, but there are so many safety concerns because now, although you are proud of being Mexican or Salvadoran and being American as well, if um, some of us are, unfortunately, like that presents a lot of opportunities for one, but also many security concerns, and you don't want to 
be either the target of target of violence or like to put other people that you love in danger because someone might think, oh well, she's from El Norte and so she she has money, although that's not true. Like you just don't want to put other people in danger. So it's just really hard to be able to I think enjoy both sides of or in my case, three sides of my identity. My next uh, question has to do with the role of the U.S. in the war in El Salvador and how much, if anything, do you know about that? And does it bother you that, that the, the role that the U.S. played in that war? So I can go. So, Jack, I think it's definitely, it really bothered me to learn just to the extent that the U.S. was involved. And it's not only to say that it was the U.S., but I think having those three identities or, or identifying yourself as, as American and knowing that your country participated and perpetuated a lot of violence and uh, just a lot of trauma towards your own people is, like, a very hard thing to deal with. At the same time, I think it's, um, it's really important to let other people know that the U.S. was involved because I know that uh, when different wars happen in places like Guatemala or something like that, people immediately assume, oh, well, it's just like those people, they're like barbaric or they're uneducated, so they're just going to fight amongst each other without completely, like seeing it in a vacuum and not really seeing that uh, there's actually international security issues here, so the U.S. is going to get involved because it's in the U.S.'s interests and the U.S. is going to supply arms and that kind of thing. So I mentioned this before at the screening, but... I think even a lot of people here, when they're learning about El Salvador or countries that have suffered through similar things, they're reluctant to even acknowledge that the U.S. is involved, or they don't—they don't even realize it themselves. So, yeah. Kim, some of the movie screenings that we've done in the past, including yours, and we watched. Um, yeah, most of the this. I think something that our group runs up that might make us more of a minority or more unpopular is that it's very difficult to talk about the um, to talk about the country and celebrate the country and the culture without talking about the U U.S. involvement and contextualizing like why there are so many people here that are Salvadoran in the U.S. now or around the world um, and so it's definitely necessary to criticize the U.S. and to know how to the extent that they were involved in, in supplying arms and I guess supplying ideas as well as some would argue prolonging the war and like enabling it to be long not only as long as it was but as intense as it was like, it's difficult I guess on a personal level to think about that but it's definitely necessary to understand it because when if you were to think about the war in El Salvador and not talk about US involvement then you wouldn't there would not you wouldn't be able to comprehend what happened or why, why it happened the way that it did without talking about U.S. involvement. But it's something that many people are hesitant about and what I think maybe some students might see our group as radical because we're willing to criticize the U.S. and, and not only in, in like outwardly doing it and being like activists or anything because I don't think we necessarily are, but being able to have that discussion, being willing to talk about um, something like the U.S. involvement in the war. Uh, Jensi, uh, I agree with Jack that it's hard to identify as American and have, you know, that knowledge that 
they did prolong the war. Um, and it's also hard to talk about it with my family as well, because I had an uncle who was part of the war. And, like, there's so much resentment when you, like, from your family. And it's just hard being, like, identifying as American and Salvadoran, especially, like, when you're having these kinds of conversations with your family. Because there's so much resentment on their side, but at the same time, you do identify as American as well. So, I guess to add another point, I think it's interesting because, uh, at least for my family, there doesn't seem to be a lot of resentment, and maybe that's just because I'm speaking more about the family that I do have in the United States, so they're very grateful to be in the United States, and but they don't they don't really seem to resent the, the U.S. as much, which I think is really interesting, given the fact that they didn't play a huge role, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jen Segan, uh, <laughs> but even, like, going to El Salvador, like, it's funny because, well, it's not really funny, but... My family here, or like family that was uh, affected by the war, like there's not like the strong resentment, but there is a, like a hint of resentment there. But going to El Salvador, it's like very different. Like if you speak of the U.S., they never like talk about the war at all. Mm -hmm. Like if they speak of the U.S., it's totally like not. There's no word about the war like ever, which is very like strange to me. Yeah, I think it's it's very hard to reconcile these different parts of your identity and your life between, uh, you know, and, and being Salvadoran American, you're sort of stuck right in the middle of it, of, uh, you know, being a product or, or like, and, and we talked about this a little bit at Yale of sort of benefiting from the, uh, you know, what America has to offer, the opportunity that America has to offer, and yet also being, I don't want to say, maybe victimized is, is the wrong world, word, but, you know, having suffered in some way or having family members that suffered uh, because of uh, U.S. involvement. So it's it's a very difficult dynamic, and it's one that you will probably be wrestling with for a very long time. And I say that as someone who is still trying to wrestle with it myself. Um, I think it's about time to wrap up. And my final question for each of you is pretty simple, but it may be harder to answer. And that is, what does it mean to you to be Salvador? Okay, Crystal? For me, it means uh, being close to my family. I think for me, the biggest part of my culture is just keeping those family ties and listening to the stories, seeing how I fit into those stories, and being sure that that history and that culture survives into the future, um, not only just in my own life. So I think for me, the biggest part of it is the stories that it comes with um, within my family and and being aware of the importance of listening and really paying attention to that. So, Jack, I guess for me, being Salvadoran means, uh, to some extent, being a fighter. So I'm really inspired by everyone who was able to survive through the war and people who are still fighting things like poverty or gang violence back in El Salvador. And to me, it's a, the story of El Salvador is one that's uh, it's very sad, but at the same time, it's uh, very interesting to see that people don't give up. And I think that parts of your film also showed just kind of like what your mother lived through. And it didn't matter that all those things happened to her because she still fought up until the last minute that she could. And so to me, that was really remarkable. And I think that's something that uh, is, resonates in a lot of uh, 
the the stories of people from El Salvador. Like they don't give up. Kim, again, I think my my understanding of what it means to be Salvadoran is constantly evolving, um, depending on what I'm learning and getting exposure to people that live in different parts of the U.S. or people that are from El Salvador and, the, and listening to their stories. I would also emphasize, like Crystal, that. And I guess how we've, we've all already spoken about tonight, um, it's being able to, I guess, struggle those identities and understand the like contradictions that exist within our existence. Like I, I would not be here. Jack would not be here. Maybe Crystal wouldn't be here um, if we, if our parents hadn't fled the war because that they met. I don't know. But did your parents be here too? Yeah. And they wouldn't be here. Like our our fathers wouldn't be in the U.S. at all. At the, the right time, the perfect time. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. Understanding that existence and, and like being able to understand, as, as you put so eloquently, um, that we do reap the benefits of like uh, U.S. I guess to some extent U.S. foreign policy, but also we are the victims or we are the products of that um, of those wars or that decision that a general made or a politician made at some point um, to fund the war or to, to support um, what, whatever side they deemed was um, most beneficial for the U.S. and for the world. So uh, it's moved a lot past just culture, but I think it's also my understanding of culture, um, of Salvadoran culture is also evolving, like it passed just like the food um, and being able to like getting into learning the stories not, not only of the people that were um, of people that are from the country or the people that are now migrants because I think migration has also just evolved what it means to be Salvadoran um, because if migration hadn't occurred then we wouldn't have this um, having to deal with the conflicting parts of our identities um, and having to reconcile like as we've already spoken about the shift between um, being in a Salvadoran community, whether that be in the actual country or in your neighborhood here in the U.S., and then moving on to some place like Yale, where being Salvadoran, it's like really hard to find anyone that you can connect to on uh, on a similar level. So, I, um, so yeah, I think it's evolving a lot, <laughs> and I'm learning that there's just a lot out there. Um, like the definition just changes depending on everyone else. Uh. Jen C, uh, I agree with all of these people, uh, but I I really liked what uh, what uh, Jack said about being a fighter. Like for me, being Salvadoran is being able or like having the privilege to carry on what my parents gave me, what my family gave me, uh, and that doesn't just include culture. Like what everyone said, that includes like history and like knowledge, and being able to you know spread that. Um, not just to like you know fellow Salvadorians, but to like other people, and have other people know you know what El Salvador being Salvadorian is about, and also to you know if I have children, my children, and being able to like further further that here um, in like the U.S. and like in other places or wherever I go. Well, that was very well said by by each of you, and uh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and for all the work that you are doing trying to raise awareness about what happened in El Salvador. Uh, it, I, I'm saying from personal experience, I know it's it's a lot to absorb and to share and to talk about, 
And I'm so glad that you guys are out there doing it. So thank you for that. And like I said, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you speak, and um, we look forward to seeing the completion of your film soon. Mm -hmm.